The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, our callers, and guests, and do not necessarily represent those of the society, its management, or our advertisers. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Welcome to Sam Sense, the show that dives deep into the fascinating world of management. I'm one of your hosts, Allie, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey of exploration and discovery. In each episode, we'll unravel complexities, share thought-provoking insights, and engage in captivating conversations with experts and enthusiasts in the management realm. This podcast is designed to both educate and entertain. Joined with me today are my co-hosts, Patrick, Hank, and Wesley. Welcome to our podcast. Oh, this is going to be a fun one because it's just the four of us. No special guests this time. This is awesome. So actually, as we're getting started here, I I told Allie that I would tell this story real quick. Um, I had her try this pen that I have here uh, just before the show, and uh, this is not a sponsored post, but I, I just I love this <laughs> pen so much. Uh, it's the uh, I think it's Pentel uh, BL407. I love this pen, and I told her there was a story behind how I became introduced to these pens. It's actually kind of a management story, and so that's why I wanted to jump into it, not to steal any of your thunder here, but um, basically, exciting. yeah, basically <laughs> what happened um, is. In my prior position, there was an IT director before me who passed away, and it was a really tragic situation, um, very unexpectedly, and when her employees came underneath my span of control, um, her secretary became my secretary, and as the weeks went on following her passing, they went through her desk and went through her things and stuff and started to pack up her office and stuff. And one of the things that her secretary brought to me was one of her favorite pens that she had had inside of her office. And she told me, she said, I really want you to have this because I know the relationship that you two had. And we had, we'd worked together and we'd had a, a pretty close relationship. And she said, she always loved these pens. This was her favorite pen. And she said, I want you to have this. And um, so I, I did. I, I took over the pen. I still have that pen. It's at home. But um, this is a, a newer generation of it that I've purchased now just to use as like an everyday writing utensil, but this one stays with me every day. It's kind of a, a memento to that uh, situation, but I love this pen, and uh, it, it was just a, a nice story I was able to share with Allie. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Amazing pen. It is. Yes. I'm very picky when it comes to pens. Yes. Very nice I, pen. I, well, the first thing we need to do is call the pen company and get sponsored. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, their pens are awesome. We only promote the best high-quality <laughs> products on the Samsung's podcast. And <laughs> right. your, your product can be posted, too. <laughs> and again, this is not a sponsored post. I just We were talking about it before the show, and I had to bring it up. I thought it was a, a very interesting moment. It's kind of fascinating. That is totally a, a relic really of the past where we've mm-hmm. we've had the traditional you're a manager you have a signature pen you work through that whole process and now mm-hmm. I, I feel like the pen is one of those relics from the 50s where you know mm-hmm. you no longer you no longer have a signature pen and the people who do have signature pens they came from an era or were mentored by someone from that era and and have now moved on into you know it being a much more 
niche thing for people to have where they're like, oh, look, I, you know, this is my pen that I use to sign everything. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's interesting. And so she just brought that to you as a relic of the, the, uh, your poor, unfortunate predecessor who, who passed a little early and as a great memento token. That's, yeah. It, it, it was a touching moment for sure. And uh, like I said, it's something I've kept with me all these years. And, uh, you know, when anytime you're having a particularly rough day or, or you know, you're just remembering her, uh, her name was Jacqueline. She was a very, uh, very feisty person. <laughs> and so that's part of the reason why we got, got along so well. And uh, so I just, I look on that and I remember her and, uh, you know, my time. And she, she taught me a lot about negotiations and, you know, how she ran uh, what she was doing, uh, which was really in, more in the accounting side of IT. Um, so it was a very fascinating, um, you know, fascinating time for me, you know, to learn about her and some of the things that I didn't even know about when, when she was there with us and things that I learned after she had passed. So uh, I learned a lot from her. It was really interesting. You know, you don't think about the possibility of your coworkers passing away in that way, but uh, it was a very interesting, um, you know, very tragic time, but a very interesting time when you talk about transition and change uh, and evolution and how companies survive, you know, uh, secession planning, really. Um, so it was, it was a it was very interesting uh, time looking back on it now. It's, it's also very interesting that what you're really talking about is the relationship that you cultivated, uh, which is a great segue into our topic for this podcast. It, uh, it is. Podcast. Yes. It is. From buddy to boss, which yeah. is uh, it really interesting, um, I, I feel. So um, we got to kind of set the stage a little bit um, for this conversation. And I, if you've listened to our previous podcast, uh, you knew that Allie was one of my former students. Students, where, I mean, I I guess technically I was your boss, but not really because I couldn't you, tell you no. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, well, yeah, that that's true. And then, you know, you graduated, um, you started the Sam Rhode Island chapter. We worked together for a little bit, and then there was some opportunities at our our school, and we got you in, and you worked under me for a couple of projects there um, as well. And so, it, it it the dynamics have always been interesting, um, for sure, um, with that. But. I, I've, I've had it in my line of work, too. At the bank, I started out as a, a person, and then I got promoted and oversaw the people I was working with. And um, it's always a uh, – it's a different dynamic. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, in like, the good news is, like, in particularly in, in Ali and I's case, it's – I have a different mentality. Um, I had to hire so many people um, throughout my professional career, hundreds, um, between all all of my positions. I was always the person that was making the judgment calls on personnel. Just this kind of unique little thing that I have when I can talk to somebody, I can just kind of spot some some talent. And I so it was like a no-brainer to me like no, Ali's like the perfect fit for this. Um and you know, every you know, oh, but but she's young or mm -hmm. she's a student and I'm like I don't care about anything. What I care about is I know I can trust her to get the, the job done. And um, so I, I'm curious from from your side, when you got that call, um, what was it like? Like, it must have been strange. It was shocking, to say the least. I know it was always something I wanted to do. That was the end goal. Um, but at 26 when I got the call a few years ago, I never would have expected to be where I am today. I'm extremely grateful for all of the opportunities 
that I've been given in my career, educationally and in the corporate world. Um, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock. It definitely was a transition um, because I only knew you as my professor. So as a colleague, you know, you always create different bonds with different colleagues, go out for a drink maybe here or there. And there's that fine line of me always seeing you as my professor. So it's like, I, I, I can't go out, even though I'm almost 30. I, I, can't, I can't go out. <laughs> and he can't see me drinking a beer. Like, it's, it's kind of that fine line where it's like, he'll always be my professor. But at what point can he be my colleague and my friend? <laughs> and you hear from a lot of people around you, too. It's like, what? You're doing what at your age? So it's a it's it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, and it's like establishing boundaries. I think is is you kind of stumbled on it. Um, is the first step from going from buddy to boss is establishing those professional boundaries. It's like, you know, when I when, like when I was working at the bank, it'd be like we'd all go out bowling or we'd go up. The second I went up that that level. I stopped doing that and and people were like, oh, look at you. You're all like high and mighty and this and that. It's it's not because I didn't want to go. I love these guys. I mm -hmm. wanted to go bowling. I wanted to do things. But it was like, that's your time. That's their time to complain about me to one another, <laughs> you know, like to complain about my management style or to complain. And if I'm there, I think I'm they can't have fun. They can't do, they can't have that stress release. They can't have that stuff that, that they need as employees, you know? Um, and at the time, I really didn't, I didn't have my management degree at the time when this happened. This is just, I just watched the people around me, you know, and how they, and, and I'm like, our boss, like the person I replaced never came out with us. So why should I? Um, so that that's interesting. I think boundaries are really important when you go from buddy to boss, for sure. And it's not even the, I know you were kind of joking, but not really joking about how they can relieve stress and talk about your management skills. But it's also just um, being in that position to feel like you should always be professional in front of your boss too. So even if you're not talking behind the boss's back or venting about the workload that so-and-so gave you and how irritating it is, it's just you always want to be professional in the eyes of your boss. So that's tough. So just to, just to kind of tangent that, um, that is a really – prevalent situation that has that has happened in the past do you necessarily feel that that is still something that is relevant to the future nowadays we've we've flattened uh you know our our organizational charts so that there's less you know there's less distance between the bottom and the top there's a lot more interaction that happens between employees and their supervisors and in many cases, supervisors are coming in from the employment ranks. So they started entry level. They've just been promoted for a litany of reasons. You know, the other person retired. Someone, you know, quit and moved on to somewhere else. They need someone to fill that role in immediately. There are a lot more situations nowadays, I think, than ever where your cohorts when you're an entry level employee or even, you know, in your second 
tier of being involved in the company are now your subordinate employees when you step into the next section of it. And there's a whole culture of training and development and leadership, um, you know, management training that's not necessarily happening in the interest of immediacy for those people. So they're still maintaining those relationships where they were cohorts and and you know compatriots on the front line and now john smith is now the supervisor of the his team of people that he met up with and he's really at a disadvantage because he's now being held accountable for his team and at a certain point he's going to to fall into that trap where he has to be a boss and tell his team of friends that he needs to do something, you know, he's on getting pressure from up top that he needs to accomplish this thing. And, you know, we're all having a great time and everything's, you know, buddy, buddy and all the rest of that. But now we're not accomplishing whatever the goal is. And it's a real interesting time, uh, you know, in the, the real world that we're living in where you have a lot of people who were buddies that now one of them is the boss. And how does that how does that commit? So have you have you heard or seen anything about, you know, an increase in those types of arrangements where where those are seemingly challenges that are now much more prevalent? Well, I think there's an additional wrinkle here um, with the generations changing. Right. So if you're a boss and you go out with your colleagues now, everyone's got a camera. Everyone's got social media. And you don't – for almost self-protection, you can get caught doing something innocent. Mm-hmm. It ends up on social media. Someone figures out where you work, and then you, you get there. I think it's – while organizations are flatter and relationships are so much more important today than they were 20 years ago – I think the need for boundaries are even more stronger today. I mean, with, with, um, and I'm being apolitical here, but like this cancel culture concept, you know, like, oh, you are out and, you know, you can make a picture that's innocent look really, really bad, you know, and, and it might, and what kind of leader are you if you're out? You should be leading by example and and showing professionalism in that and not – you don't show professionalism by going out to the bowling alley and having a few beers after work if you're the supervisor. I don't – I just don't think that message translates in today's world. I I just think there's – the risk for managers is too high. Is it? Is it then important for managers or supervisors who have promoted someone from a position that's beneath, you know, that's an entry level employee going into maybe being a team lead or a shift supervisor or uh, even a, you know, entry level shift manager? Is it important for the person two steps up from them uh, to then help cultivate them into a whole new group of, you know, work friends? Or is it. Is it a conversation that you see as important to have where you're like, look, yes, you've been here for three years. You work with this team. Now you're going to lead it. It's time for you to step up and and commit to being a leader. And that means not necessarily being their friend and, you know, not not being a buddy anymore, but being a boss. Mm-hmm. Is it 
is it important enough that that is a cultural change inside organizations where it should really be something that's talked about? Because even what you're talking about in the past, this wasn't a conversation that had, it was just a societal norm. Yeah. And of all the things that have happened lately and, you know, what's going on in the world, societal norms have shifted major, you know, paradigms left and right. And I think that whole conversation for someone that's an entry level manager in their twenties that are just getting out of college or they're just, you know, getting into their their beginning stages of their careers, they're going to want to stay friends with the people that helped get them to where they were and don't necessarily see that as a, you know, a detriment to their future when it absolutely can be. So is it, is it, you know, it's, it's, that's where mentorship comes in. When you get promoted, you should have somebody that sits you down, talks to you, and walks you through the landmines that you're going to experience. Right. And maybe that person might not have had the similar experience of now I'm supervising. And, you know, it might be somebody from an outside company that's two levels up, but somebody's going to sit down with that new manager that's now leading that team and walk them through. This is the expectation. This is the thing. And then and and coach them on how to talk to their buddies. I'm not. I, it's different now. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that we're not friends. It's not that we're not anything, but I have responsibilities just like you have responsibilities. There's, there's got to be coaching. It's, it's a incredibly, incredibly, probably one of the most, I would say the most difficult, one of the most difficult management tasks is to manage people you once were on the same level with. I can't think, I'm like trying to rack my brain for something that might be harder (laughs) and, and like, and it's, for an entry-level manager, it's clearly the hardest thing. But just in management in general, I can't think of anything that's really harder than Agreed. That. Agreed. So, you know, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is, you know, you wonder if, if – and, and perhaps this is a question that either of you could chime in on. But you wonder to, to what extent is a certain amount of the friction that could be created there? Is that due to perhaps hard feelings because one person got a promotion over someone else? Is it, um, you know, is it related to that, do you think? Or or is it truly just the dynamic of we were once on the same level playing field and now, you know, we, we used to, you know, we, we used to work together day in and day out and now you're, now I report to you. Like, is that, is it friction created because of the promotion or is it friction created because of the end result of you now being in charge of that person? And, or is it both? Well, it depends. Right. Oh, I, absolutely. I think it can be either way. A lot of it depends on if, if the, if the opportunity to be the leader was, was not a unan, you know, a unilateral decision mm-hmm. in, in a lot of these companies nowadays, because we're talking about the speed of hiring and the speed of the, you know, the immediacy of the need being fulfilled, mm-hmm. um, there's someone who's made a determination without, without making any kind of job posting any kind of announcement that they're looking for someone any of that they just walk up to you know steve and go steve you're it do you want this job and steve goes absolutely i want a promotion and i want to raise and i want more responsibility and i want to grow with the company and you know team player woo <laughs> uh but then that's the that's 
the shoe in right that's when when someone above has come down from mountain high and made a decision and it's really hard to argue the culture of the place that you're in and all of those things are variables that come into play it's much different when you're open announcing the job and four people that are all on the same team all want that job and now not only are you and your friends all competing for the same thing which on you know flat footing puts everyone at a disadvantage because now they're like oh my goodness i have to compete with my best friend for this job because i want it and it creates kind of an adversarial nature that's there and then one of them is selected well what happens to the other three people that are in that mix and how does that help them in their professional development and what does that look like when maybe the team doesn't think that the person who was selected is really the best of the best that's in the leadership track of what's going on and that leads to another wrinkle which is you have a team right team knows everybody they know where they cut corners where they slack they know that one time you called in sick where you weren't really sick and then then you get that that person gets that promotion and then it's like oh yeah but that per he might have fooled management Mm -hmm. he ain't fooling us you know we know we know and 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 that's another whole dynamic so yeah yeah and i think that's why it's so important to it's one thing where like you have a childhood friend you grow up years together and for some reason you work at the same place i think it's so important that you need to set that line like i have my outside life yes i can be friendly with my coworkers. they may be my friends i can go out after work have a few drinks go bowling do company sponsored events and have a good time but you're there to work you're there to make money you're there to grow your own knowledge and go up that ladder if you want to. You can support your coworkers. You can be there and encourage them to do the same as you're doing. But you need to set a personal line as well to say, hey, I'm here to do what I need to do. I'm here to do my job. And if I'm the one getting promoted, there's a reason for that. And it may be specific things you're doing instead of the others. But there is that line where you need to say, no, this is my work life, not my personal life. I should not. Yeah, you can feel feel bad for them if they don't get promoted and you get promoted over. Like, I feel like that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be stepping you back and maybe questioning your authority of why you got it over them. So there's there's a line everywhere yeah. in this situation. Well, and I think that's that that's a really important thing to like, there's your nickel, you know, your nickel's worth of free advice, right? Uh, I'll take when, a quarter. When you, uh, <laughs> when you move into any kind of leadership role, uh, mm-hmm. you really have to start separating your work life mm-hmm. and your personal life into two distinct and separate camps. And a lot of that is uh, just for your own mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. You, you should be able to leave work and detach and surround yourself with people that are going to be supportive of you and your mental health needs and your need to relax and unwind. And you're not going to be able to complain about your job because let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, we all, we all go home to our, you know, our dogs, our cats, our spouses, 
any any number of a robot, uh, robots, yeah, a robot <laughs> vacuum cleaner. We get back to our Alexas and our Roombas, and we complain <laughs> about the job that we have and how our boss didn't do this, and our you know our quarterly goals weren't met, or whatever the case is. And when you are in a leadership role inside of an organization where you're expected to manage other human capital assets it's really important for you to be able to disconnect and have your own free space Mm -hmm. in order for your own mental health because that is that is part of why we burn through management you know trainees and new people that enter the workforce into these management categories is they're not they're not making those separations kind of like you were saying hank they're not Mm -hmm. they're not taking the promotion and then going okay it's time to invest in some some you know divided camps essentially in my own personal life and and really all you're doing is a disservice to yourself you can be friendly with your you know coworkers you can engage with them you know socially at work and and occasionally every once in a while you know go to the company party have a good time go to the company functions where you're all supposed to you know eat the barbecue and you know <laughs> shake the hands of the boss and tell them what a great time they had uh, but you really should start you know as you nest into your career start to create separate spaces in your life for home and work and that's just good solid you know longevity producing management mm-hmm. and I think in if you're a manager and you end up in this position, I think one of the things that works really effectively, I, I mean, everyone's got their own style and, you know, this might not work for you, but it, it works for me. Allie and I have had these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've addressed like, okay, I expect you to tell me if I'm wrong. It's okay now. You I can call tell. him out on it. <laughs> On his BS. <laughs> um, let's just say I'm always right, but Ali does. Um, <laughs> Ali does call me out, but 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 honestly, we, we've we've sat down, we've established goals, we've we've talked about. Okay, so this is where you, you know you're starting. I want you to learn this. So here you go. I'm going to give you this. This is why I'm giving you this. Um, you know, is that all right? Does that work with your job? How are you feeling? So, is it like it's it's a different approach? And, and some people are like, no, I can't show weakness. I can't show vulnerability. And I'm not saying go in there and be like, oh, my life sucks. Please help me. No, you know, there's levels here. But just being honest and being like, it's just as like. I don't, it's just as awkward for me mm-hmm. as it was for you when we were starting to make that transition. But, um, and I'm going to pay you um, an, a, a huge compliment. Um, bringing you on on board and, and bringing you into um, New England Tech and getting you working with our, 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 our team has been one of the best management decisions that I've made in my career because of your level of professionalism, your level of responsibility, and that you were able to take that on. And I just, and I think it also, it made it easier, you know, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It it really is a great dynamic. And I'm the person to not be afraid to ask questions because I know I'm just going to be sitting in front of the computer screen, working through a million different scenarios to try and get it perfectly right. 
when it could be a very simple fix. Mm -hmm. So I always tell my students, each manager's brain works a different way. So when it comes to project planning, you want to have the most specific project goals so your workers know what you're trying to get across. And I feel like that's a great dynamic that we have where we talk about what we need to get done and where we need assistance if we need assistance. Hey, I need backup here. Or hey, like I'm really stuck on this. Is there like a shortcut you know? Like this is the process I've been doing. Can I shorten it? Like we have a very open concept where I'm not afraid to ask. Like we have a lot of people are afraid to go up to their managers, bosses and be like, I'm stuck because they're afraid that they're not quote unquote worthy enough or um, or they're or they're, they're somehow saying like I'm incompetent. Yeah, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. I'm I'm here, but I really don't deserve it. Type of stuff. Which oh, in reality, that's a topic for that, another podcast. That yeah, is yes, a topic for another. Yes, it yes. is. But in reality, yeah, it'd be a one thing if you're in your boss's office every other hour or so many times that. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't be in the role if you're asking that many questions, but I don't think it's wrong to ask for guidance. They are your superior for a reason. They should know and be willing to assist. And if they're good managers, they should be thankful that you're asking the question. Yes. Agreed. You, you know, what do you, like, what? how do you like your coffee? <laughs> <laughs> what oh. Oh, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm oh, kidding. Yeah. That, I think uh, old timey manager's about to come out of oh, there. I tell you, I like my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Two sugars. <laughs> Two creams, <laughs> but uh-huh. what I what I keep and hearing. If you don't understand that, go back and listen to a few more yeah. podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I keep hearing is communication, right? And because when you talk about boundaries, when you talk about how you uh, interface with your you know newfound span of control, it it comes back down to communication. And if there's one thing that I want the audience to take away from this, it is through effective communication that these types of scenarios can be navigated effectively. Um, yes, it may not be, it may not feel natural at first, right? And it probably won't. And I think that's the nature of what you're going to experience. But with time and with the right levels of communication and with the right intent, I think you're going to find that uh, it eventually uh, probably will, will work itself out. You'll be much more comfortable in the position. And, and I think you'll have a much more productive and meaningful work environment because of, of this type of uh, approach. Um, so. The other thing I wanted to mention, and this was a a topic we, I think, discussed a little bit earlier in the podcast, was about the mentorship. Um, For anyone who's in a role who can look down the the uh, you know the organizational right chain, and you can see that there are others beneath you or you know upcoming inside the organization, I really think it to a certain extent it's your responsibility to help uh, guide them, whether they're already in a role where maybe they need some of this um, you know attention to help them be to navigate the buddy to boss situation, or maybe you see that they will be in that position in a few years. Uh, I think it's a, a really good way to establish relationships again through the same types of things we talked about uh, and to grow the the internal uh, you know the internal value of that organization which of course is through people uh, you'll be able to do that through those types of relationships so uh, just a little thing I wanted to mention there I, I do feel like personally I feel like it's like your responsibility right if, mm-hmm. if you know that you have and to piggyback off of that quick too is you never expect to God forbid a tragedy happen pass away or you're retiring or you're moving away and you have to leave that position. Me personally, 
I love my company. I love all the clients I work with and I don't want to give them just everything falls apart once I leave. So if you're really passionate about what you do and who you work for, you really want to mentor someone who can pick up where you left off. And that's not just going to be done by giving them busy work or saying, okay, this is all you do. You want to mentor them through your entire job. So you have that backup. I used to say if uh, if Wesley gets hit by a bus or something is what I used to say. And then somebody one day corrected me. They're like, no, no, no. Why don't you use like if Wesley wins the lottery or something yeah. like that. And I was yeah. like, that's much more positive. We'll use that. Half glass full. <laughs> right. That is very, very positive. But that, that really hits home because that is one of the um, that is one of the interesting lessons that I picked up in uh, my early management career was. Until you train someone to replace you, you're going to have a hard time getting out of where you're at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that goes back to a previous conversation that we had on a separate podcast about being pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's someone who can do your job and do it well, then you get recognized in the business world. It mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting conundrum, right? Because everyone goes, oh my goodness, if I give away all of my knowledge and my resources and my power to the, you know, the my secret coworkers, yeah. my, my, you know, the people who are working underneath me, I'm going to become, you know, redundant and they're going to get rid of me. And a good company is going to recognize that you were able to train your replacement mm-hmm. It was ready to go. You know, you were able to transition into your next role and your next step in the company. And because you were the manager that you were, you were able to have that transition happen where it was not a burden on the organization. Mm -hmm. Now, there will be times where you teach your subordinate employees and that comes back to, to, you know, be a negative in your, you know, win loss column there. Um, but that's also not a company you want to work for that doesn't recognize that the reason that you, you know, shared your information and made it to where everyone was prepared and ready for you to move on to your next great thing. Uh, you, you don't want to work for those kinds of organizations and, those organizations are finding relatively quickly that sure I can save a couple bucks by having someone else do this job, but that person has watched what happened. Mm-hmm. They watched that they got that job because someone else gave away all of their inf- information and knowledge and and you know secret sauce, like you said, Wesley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not gonna they're not gonna follow that. Mm-hmm. What they will do is look for another job in another company, whether it's almost immediately or in several years when they finally get burnt out. Uh, And then they're going to walk out the door with all that information because they're going to walk in, turn in their two week notice. Maybe they'll work it out. Maybe they'll get walked out the door, but all of that institutional knowledge is going to disappear. And I think that what we're really seeing is companies recognizing Slowly, this has been a real slow, painful process yes. <laughs> for, especially for some of these, you know, companies that have some some rather troubling HR practices and things where they're trying to really save a dollar, mm. uh, you know, based on survival. Um, but that's that's really telling to their employees that oh, you know, instead of doing that we you know we we saw that opportunity disappear and now i'm not going to go through all of that 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 you know 
that other person went through. Why would I do that? I'm just going to give away my own job. And you really should be giving away all of your information, all of your power, all of that, that, you know, decision making information that you use on a daily basis to your employees so that they're ready to be able to step into your role when you win the lottery and you no longer have to come to work. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's, that's twofold. You know, you talk about, you talk about culture in being, you know, being in a position where you feel comfortable and confident and being able to share that information that's deeply rooted in the, the company's norms and practices, expectations, and so on and so forth. But you also talk about session planning and, you know, that is certainly something that I don't think we, we talk about enough, um, you know, for, for better or for worse, but, um, certainly, it brings us back full circle to where we started this podcast with a little uh, <laughs> conversation about a pen. And, uh, you know, you think about uh, just the unexpected, um, whether whether that unexpected is tragic or whether that ex- unexpected is excited in the sense you, you win the lottery. Regardless, it still has the same outcome. And, um, you know, it, it's certainly something that organizations need to be paying attention to. Yeah. And I'm just getting the nod uh, from our executive producer that we have uh, – hit our max time for this particular episode. So I'm Hank. I'm Wesley. I'm Allie. And I'm Patrick. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep your passion for management ignited. Stay curious, stay stay inspired, and join us next time where we can help you make management make sense.